Glad Tidings is sponsored by Bet365 and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company and with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results and players to score a number of goals and other things to create your own personalised bet. If you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton FC podcast. It's me, Greg O'Keefe. As ever, I'm joined by Paddy Boyland, my Everton fellow Everton correspondent. And we've got another 5-2 win to discuss, making a habit of this, aren't we? The League Cup win over Fleetwood on Wednesday evening. Um, on the back, of course, of another win by the same score in the Premier League. And it's all just double use at the moment because Everton feel like they can't lose. We've got four out of four in all competitions and the game on the horizon uh, in South London on Saturday against Crystal Palace. We'll be discussing the win over Fleetwood, the brilliant start to the Premier League campaign, and do we expect any more incomings? Is it finished, per strings, tied and no more? Or are we going to squeeze in a centre-back and maybe more? And who might be leaving the Finch Farm camp before the deadline closes next uh, start of October? All that, and uh, we'll discuss, like I say, we'll discuss our chances of making it five wins out of five at Selhurst Park. But before we do all that, just thought I'd check on Paddy's situation. Is there a, a mint tea on the go? Are the seagulls being well behaved? Come on, give me this. Describe the scene, mate. Mint tea, yes. No, no seagulls so far. Um, but as, as we know, these things can change very quickly when we're recording our Everton podcast. Um, I was on, yeah. fun, funnily enough, I was actually, I was on, I was on Zoom, as, as, as you all know yourself. I was on Zoom to Joey Barton the other day, previewing <laughs> the Everton Fleetwood game and it gets a couple of minutes in and everything's okay. I've not got my microphone on mute. Everything's fine. And then somebody somewhere starts drilling really close to my apartment <laughs> and it's the loudest drilling you're likely to get. So, Definitely, definitely Joey Barton must have been able to hear it. I ended up going on mute for probably about two thirds, three quarters of the, of the whole Zoom call. Took it off just to ask my few questions hastily. And that was about it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all the joys of, of living in central, <laughs> central Liverpool, I guess. Um, is, I did put on Twitter the other day that we tried to keep people entertained with not only our cacophony of kind of Everton ramblings, but also various other interesting noises so we have seagulls we have ducks i think the ducks are from your side aren't they um <laughs> the geese mate canadian geese. geese come on not ducks geese. he's a little bit more high brow than that is is greg yeah. and um, <laughs> and greg's fridge that makes requiem for a dream style noises so <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's always fun in games even if things aren't going well on the pitch the beauty shush. is of Paddy, course shush, that- it, it might hear you it's quiet as it stands <laughs> The, be- the, the, be- yeah. the beauty is, I guess, that it's fun in games anyway because things are going so well on the pitch for Everton, as I'm sure we'll discuss. So yeah, all all is good really. I just like a bit of a moan. <laughs> Indeed. Well, yeah, people who won't be moaning are anyone lucky enough to get onto the new offer that's um, 
limited time only one but it is an absolute belter it gives you the chance to subscribe to athletic for just a quid a month um that's one pound a month you can read all our pieces on the blues including my article this morning on how carlo ancelotti is still keen to trim his squad in light of the win at tybury uh, over joey barton's team yesterday all you need to do to sign up is go to theathletic.com forward slash everton pod that's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod, all one word, and you'll get it for just £1 a month. Like, really is a good value deal. So, on to matters from last night. But are we, <laughs> what's going on? Like, this, towards the end of the run in of last season, we were, we were pretty much on, um, we were on, we were on the end of our tether, weren't we, watching that team labour through the motions? And only a few months later, it feels like a different, different Everton in every capacity. But like I said, at the top, it doesn't feel like they can lose at the moment. Famous last words, but they're flying, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was speaking to somebody the other day on our editorial desk. And I, what I effectively said was, we spent so, so much time moaning about the midfield last season that this feels like the, the payoff. Um, I almost wonder if we've done our penance on that one and now we get the rewards <laughs> right at the end of it. And obviously that's a bit of a religious reference, but I, I just wonder, yeah, I, I think we've for so long we've had to put up with a midfield that was not fit for purpose. And obviously Ancelotti, Carlo Ancelotti, as ex- experienced as he is, has come in and recognised the problems in that part of the pitch and immediately set about rectifying them. And I put that up there is probably the main contributing factor for this start of the season. It's not only that, but I think that's that's a really important one. And going back to that conversation with Joey Barton the other day, jo- Joey, Joey is obviously an Evertonian himself, even though he manages Fleetwood and played for a, a variety of other teams in his, in his playing career. And he just said that the recruitment has been absolutely on the money from his point of view, and that he credits Carlo with a large part of that. And it's quite refreshing to hear people talking about Everton in, in in that kind of light. It's also quite refreshing to read comments below our articles where people, neutral fans who are reading the stuff, are talking about how enjoyable it is to watch Everton for the first time in, in plenty of years. And, and that's obviously a sentiment that Evertonians themselves will be able to echo. Um, I don't really know when 5-2 became such a thing. Um, <laughs> one of those weird score lines in which loads of different things happen but I guess that's that is what happens when you have a side yeah. that's brimming full of confidence in an attacking sense at least still getting to grips with a few things defensively and a goalkeeper as I'm sure we'll touch on that's that that himself has got his own his own issues um, it's I've, I've written this several times now or variations of this several times now over the past few weeks. But it has been a joy to watch some of the football that Everton have played. Uh, not only the the game against West Brom, where James Rodriguez was purring with some absolutely fantastic passes, long and short, but also the, the goals against Fleetwood, some of the goals against Fleetwood. You can, you can kind of pick them apart and deconstruct them. And there's so much to like from the first goal. Bernard picking his head up, putting his head up and picking a wonderful ball um, curled cross to the far post for Richarlison yeah. good finish from Richarlison great goal I think the second is even better by the way um, the give and go Richarlison to Awobi, lovely back heel from Alex Awobi, who I thought was good against Fleetwood and a, um, and a confident finish from Richarlison all the goals really and, and finishing, finishing off with that final one when Niels and Kunku um, flicks the ball 
back. It's kind of back heel into the path of Moisey Keane. Yeah. Um, it just felt like it ticked all the boxes apart from the performance of, of some of the players in the defensive third. So uh, a lot to admire and like early doors about this Everton side. It's a much more confident Everton side. An Everton side that if you told me a few months ago would be playing like this, I don't think I'd have believed you given how poor they were in the final half of, of, well, in the final third of last season, if we want to be more precise. I think I pointed out to you the other day that Everton's pass completion is the best in the Premier League at this moment in time. Again, yeah, a testament yeah, yeah. To, the, to not only the confidence in the ranks, but also the difference the new signings have made. They've had, is it 85 shots across four games now? Um, and 10 goals in their last two as well as a win away at Spurs, as well as a very comfortable, what I, to, for my money, home victory over Salford in the Carabao Cup. So just about everything, not everything, but just about everything seems to be going in the right direction. You know what, it really does, doesn't it, at the moment? And like, you know, the piece I did today was saying who took who took the chance to impress the manager, really. And um, it's not often that you look at it and say, to, to different extents, everyone did. And, and that's a team with six changes. Um, so there's, you know, over half the starting lineup that probably aren't going to be in the team on, on Saturday. Yet they played really well. Look, okay, it's against a League One side, but, you know, uh, who, who themselves had a lot of young players, as, as Joey Barton sort of uh, emphasised. But then they weren't a bad team at all. Um, and everyone who had the chance to come in, as you say, particularly in Kunku, and um, Anthony Gordon just did just did more than enough to, to suggest there's, there's genuine strength and depth there. I have to say I'm still not convinced with Iwobi, um which sounds harsh because he scored and set one up. But oh, he was all right, wasn't he? He was. I he, thought he was, he was all right. Good. He was all right. But yeah, I think. Um, I mean, if he gets involved on Saturday, let's see if he can reproduce that in the Premier League, which, which is probably why we paid all that money for him. Mm. But it's harsh to pick on him because, like I say, he did, he did really well. Um, Delph coming back in from a long time out since February yep. did did okay, sort of Good as well. showed what, what we wanted him for, really, didn't he? Mm. Um, so, no, it was across the board. Did you see Everton's Instagram? Of no. That? You mentioned the assist for uh, <laughs> from Kunku, <laughs> the bit, bit of spice. Did you see that? No. Uh, no. <laughs> that was that <laughs> Everton's official account, was it? Their official account, yeah, they're on the story. Right. It was... Um, <laughs> was it Eubank? Yeah, Eubank saying oh, just had a, had a little bit of spice just after the some footage of Nkunku doing that sort of back heel reverse ball. Oh, Brilliant. Give the admin a pay rise. Give the no, admin I, a yeah. pay rise right now because that's, fan, that's fantastic. Thumbs up, Thumbs up yeah. to the social media team for that. It was brilliant. Um, yeah, it's it's funny though, mate. So just, just, just to pick up on one thing. It's funny, the irony here of what's taken place so far this season. We're well aware that Everton, after bringing players in, do need to trim that squad. And Carlo Ancelotti said as much after the game. He said, Look, I've got 31 players. You're asking me about incomings, but a lot of the priority now needs to be on getting some of these lads that we don't need or want anymore off the books. 31 is, to my money, and I think to Marcel Brand's money, six, seven, maybe eight players too many. So mm. they, they really have struggled in this climate, I think, given some of those lads are still on big money to shift them. There will be an emphasis on that in the, the final part of the window. But what it's meant in the very, very short term, 
with these games coming thick and fast in this kind of Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday pattern, it's allowed them in just about every position apart from centre-back to rotate, but still have quality in the ranks. So people were talking last night about Everton's team being a strong side for this early in the competition and for Fleetwood Town away from home. And that's not to do Fleetwood a disservice. That's just what people were saying. But you've spoken there about the lads that have come in and Fabian Delph, Premier League winner, maybe not yet doing enough to warrant a place in the first team. But there are several others in that kind of bracket that are still able to make a difference in these games and still able to show their quality. And that's kind of, that's been the story of the Carabao Cup for me from an Everton perspective so far. That some of these guys that may in the long term be expendable, that the club might want to cash in on in the short term are still kind of fighting their own corner and showing that Everton maybe have a bit more squad depth than we'd maybe thought. So Moise Keane didn't, didn't even start the game, but he comes on in the second half and, and bags himself a goal with a with a pretty tidy finish. Uh, Awobi, you've mentioned, I thought he was pretty good, actually, all things considered. Uh, I don't like him in a position on the right flank. I, I think he's, he's somebody that does his best work centrally. But... Good nonetheless. But if we're talking about big winners, I think you've got to look at Anthony Gordon. You've got to look at Niels and Kunku, two players that won't start on Saturday, barring any kind of late injury drama, but two players, youngsters that are showing that the future is really bright. And maybe Bernard as well. You touched on this in your piece, but maybe Bernard as well, playing in a slightly different role this season in a 4-3-3 to the left of the, the, the midfield trio. In I suppose it's Andre Gomez's role to lose at the moment in the Premier League side that Everton have got and that Everton play. But Bernard shows that he can offer something slightly different. I think he's he's better creatively than Gomez. He's still good enough to press. He doesn't offer any physicality. But I think when you give him time and space on the ball, he's one of those players that can really make a difference. The issue with him is that he know, needs to show it consistently. He's become a home player, for want of a better yeah. phrase. The, yeah, the, guy totally that, the guy that you pick when you're looking to break down sides and not necessarily the guy that you count on when you're away from home and under the cosh and sides are kind of loading the box with high balls. So that's his challenge, but I think he's going in the right direction. I think we've seen a response from Gilfie Sigurdsson as well to being dropped, being shifted out of the side by some of the new recruits. And this is what canny recruitment, savvy recruitment does. It makes or the members of the squad raise their game. It raises standards more or less across the board. And that's what we're seeing with Carlo Ancelotti, with James Rodriguez being at the club, all these guys. And that that's the pleasing thing for me. But there is an irony in how big and bloated this Everton squad is. Them wanting to cut it down quite significantly, I would say. Yannick Balassi wasn't in the, in the squad last night, a shadow yes, squad. Yeah. Uh, Mo Besic wasn't in the squad last night. Again, a shadow squad. Matty Pennington. There's loads of these guys that you could name. Sandro Ramirez, who won, who won quite big money, particularly in Sandro's case and, and, and to a slightly lesser extent, Balassi's case as well. Um, but in the short term, Everton haven't been able to shift some of them. And some of these guys on the fringes are, are starting to make another make another claim. So it's, it's allowed Ancelotti to, to rotate um, to varying extents in these two games against Salford and then with the tougher test against Fleetwood. Not as many changes against Fleetwood but I thought he got the bound just about right I was just I think I was messaging you frantically in the second half just saying get Richarlison off the pitch 
get him off the pitch yeah. now before he picks up an injury because that that would have obviously blotted the copybook, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, big time. Uh, it would have been for for the sake of it, it just wouldn't have been worth it, would it? And, and as you as we were saying, he was getting such attention, wasn't he? Um, we only need a, a mistimed lunge, which there were a few of anyway, especially on him. You know, you, you're worrying about not having that momentum because that was clearly the point of, of why Ancelotti wanted to keep with that front two because he feels there's, there's real momentum there. So um, you don't want either of those players out of the mix at the moment. Um, yeah, um, luckily it looks like we we managed to ride that that particular one. Um, so I I can't see that many changes actually for Saturday. Just would, I mean, would you make any changes yourself? No, not really. I think the. You you hinted at it, and again discussed it in the piece. The, the only one I'd probably say is most at threat would would be Andre Gomez. Um, not that he's played poorly in the first two games at all, but I just think that Bernard's possibly done enough to suggest. Redknapp was talking last night, wasn't he, about the idea of having him protected by Decore and Allen. Now, does he do enough to come into the team and, and be protected? If that makes sense. Where you don't really have to do that with Gomez. Neither of them score enough, really, for central midfielders. And Bernard possibly has the edge on direct assists, in fairness. But maybe in, in other ways, Gomez is you know, physically more robust. Um, and so far, has, again, has looked good in that midfield. But that's the only, the only slight question mark for me. Would Kenny possibly be able to deal with Zaha's pace if they were going to switch better than Coleman? Slightly. Mm. I mean, defensively, I think Coleman's still solid, isn't he? I actually think Seamus Coleman's had an understated but a really good start to the season. Yeah. You look at his impact against West Brom, some of the chances he created, he was key and a pivotal figure for the first Everton goal. Um, Gets the byline and putting a nice cross in for Richarlison. I actually think he's been really quite good. And one of the themes of Ancelotti's tenure so far has been that when he was rotating between Sidibe and Coleman, whenever Everton had dangerous opponents... Whenever Everton were facing somebody on the left who had re- carried real threat, Ancelotti would often tend to go for the more experienced option of Seamus Coleman, just considering him to be better defensively than Sadibi. I don't think there's as much of a disparity here between Kenny and Coleman defensively. Um, Kenny is not Jabril Sadibi in terms of positioning no. and, and everything else, thankfully. Um, but I still think Seamus has done enough all round to keep his place. And he, as I said, I think he started the season pretty well. So I, but barring any surprise injuries at this stage, and they would be surprise injuries, I, I think we'll see something very, very similar with potentially players like Bernard and Anthony Gordon being given slightly more opportunities from the bench to, yeah. to do something and, and impress given how well they've, they've shown up in the Carabao games. We, we got asked a few questions. I don't know if you saw, but we got asked a few questions on our, on the real time function of our athletic app, which is, uh, I think is available to all. We got asked a few questions about Yeri Mina's absence. I know I got asked those questions both on social media and on our Everton discussion page on the athletic app, app as well by subscribers. What's up as, as Yeri picked up another knock? I don't think that was our understanding. Our, our understanding was always that they only had two defensive options at the disposal for centre-back, two legitimate senior options. Lewis Gibson's gone on loan to, to Reading. Jared Branthwaite's injured and probably out until, well, 
mid to mid October at the very earliest, given the estimates, and I think even that's a bit optimistic. Mason Holgate's out for longer, so I think it's just a very very much a case of looking to kind of manage and nurse Yeri Mina and Michael Keane through these games. That's why we saw Luca Dean move in, move inside, play in a, what I call a slightly unfamiliar position for him, even though he's done it at times for Barca. And Yeri, I think of the two of of Keane and 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 kind of and Mina, he was the one that was injured most recently. Didn't have as much of a preseason, um, and kind of was a little bit of a doubt initially for the game against Tottenham anyway. So that was the logical decision. So at that point, it it, it wasn't that he was injured for this game against Fleetwood. It was just that Everton are trying to manage him really, really carefully. And I think that's the wise decision because very quickly you could get into a a situation where you you flog some of these lads who have not long returned from injury and you ask them to play, let's say, three games in eight days, something like that. And that's when the the risk of re-injury is really strong. And then you're not playing Luca Dean at centre-back against Fleetwood Town. You're doing it against, let's say, Crystal Palace, who are a physical threat. You're doing it potentially for a Merseyside derby, which is looming large on the horizon now. Um, less than a month away, isn't it? I think. Um, so you just got. To, I think you've got to be careful. And I think I, I, actually, Ancelotti has more or less managed this perfectly. If we're going to give him credit for that, I think he's more or less managed the rotation, getting Everton through league games, but also getting them into the next round of the cup and and further on in in their quest to win some silverware. He's done both of those things pretty well. So kind of hats off to him. Hi there, I'm Mark Chapman from the Athletics Ornstein and Chapman podcast and I'm here to tell you that this show is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Now, balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health issues. Not everyone wants to have personal conversations face-to-face with a stranger in a white coat. So, Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You'll get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Just go to forhims.co.uk slash athletic. So that's F-O-R-H-I-M-S, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot co.uk slash athletic. And you can also listen to me on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. It's myself, David Ornstein, and the athletic stable of expert writers bring you unrivaled insight into the biggest stories in the game every single week. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but it's the one, you know, I've bored you enough times with this, but it's the one competition I think Everton should really, really be targeting and should take seriously. So I was pleased to see to see the... Um, less changes and so I expect you know next week we'll talk about this next week on the part of course but uh, I expect even less changes really um, I just think you've got to got to make sure you can get to Wembley frankly um, it's very winnable for Everton or getting to the business end is very doable I should say you know you need a bit of luck but uh, nevertheless we've certainly had luck in terms of and not to mention good recruitment in terms of the players that we've come in 
There's still, as we saw last night, a gap thanks to injuries as well, which haven't helped at centre-back. We were chatting before we came on, on, on air, weren't we, about what they're going to do to address that. What's the situation mm. as it stands? The priority is to bring in a centre-back, preferably on loan, because a large part of the budget, barring any major outgoings, is spent. So I think they'll look at somebody on loan. Uh, we reported interest in Fikayo Tamori, taking him on a season-long loan. While initially positive, I think Chelsea's issues have, have made that less feasible at this moment in time. So I think the, the best phrase to say here is that the interest has slightly cooled, even if he remains a player of interest for Everton. They've got a short list um, of players that they think they, um, well, players that they would like to have um, all being well. But it's a short list very much, I think, for the kind of the short and the midterm they, they know um, that Branthwaite is not long out and they know that Mason Holgate is slightly longer out, but they, they believe Branthwaite's decent cover until he's back. So they're actually quite ha- happy with the four central defensive options and I don't think they would have gone back into the market. I don't believe for one minute that they would have gone back into the market for a centre-back had Holgate not picked up that toe injury against Preston. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's what they're looking for. That's what the main focus is between now and the end of the window. What have we got? Is it 12 days? 11 or 12 days? My math is really not good, so feel free <laughs> to correct me. Um, yeah, we've not, not long, under two weeks until the close of the window on October the 5th. And Everton want to sign a centre-back, preferably on loan. So a couple of the names doing the rounds at the moment. Tamori, obviously, who we've mentioned. Jean-Claire Todibo. The Barcelona centre-back who was on loan at Schalke uh, last season. And right, I'm going to have a go at this. Ongwene from the Cameroonian centre-back from Salzburg, Leipzig's sister club. Um, We've we've been told that those two players are on that shortlist along with Tamori, but that they are not. Uh, to our understanding, necessarily top target. I don't think they are. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what Everton can do. I think there are always impediments with with these things, whether it be maybe Frank Lampard wanting to keep hold of Tamori, whether it be, for example, Barcelona wanting to sell to Debo for a fee so that they can recoup some money. They're obviously not particularly secure financially at this moment in time. Mm. We've said Everton would prefer a loan. So what can be done there? All those things kind of move quite quickly. It's quite fluid in the transfer market. So yeah, we'll rest assured we'll kind of keep on top of it as much as we can. And, and hopefully Everton do get a centre-back because I think it's quite important with these games coming thick and fast that you are able to give Keane and particularly Mina a bit of a break while Branthwaite and Holgate work their way back to full fitness. So that's that's the situation there. And just a piece of all the news, as we reported earlier this week, again on our real-time function on the app, Santiago Arias, who Everton were monitoring and quite heavily linked to in other media outlets, he, as we suggested, has now finally joined Bayer Leverkusen. Everton, I think, only interested in a right-back should John Joe Kenny depart. So I would just say that I think their interest in Arias, particularly recently, has been slightly overcooked. 
and that it, it looked for all intents and purposes like he was always going to go to Leverkusen. So I, mean, I, I don't think it's a big loss. I, I think he's a good player, but I don't think it's a big loss. I think Everton's attention should be fixed firmly on centre-back. Um, and yeah, thankfully it is from our indications. That's incomings, outgoings, I think, as, as, as again, we alluded to at the top of the show in, in my piece today. Ancelotti's made it clear the squad's too big and they need to get players off. Well, I mean, they want a smaller squad anyway for about 25 players, but for practical reasons and for reasons of sustainability with the wage bill, which we've we've spoken a lot about how unwieldy and damaging that is, they need to get players off the books. Um, there's been mention of Iwobi, despite last night, uh, Walcott, even Sigurdsson at times, although I'd find that unlikely now, uh, but certainly players like Balassi, who, as you say, wasn't involved last night, Sandro Ramirez, and so on and so forth. What do you think? I mean, it's a big ask. Marcel Brands would be absolutely earning every last penny of his salary <laughs> if he managed to get all yeah. those players off off the books, wouldn't he? But who do you think is more likely to be able to go and, and, and free up some space on the wage bill? It's interesting, isn't it? Because clubs often end up in a situation where they've got a list of players, in theory, that they'd be interested in getting rid of. And I don't necessarily mean, for example, that they're the only ones they want to get rid of. Sometimes a club might come in with a ridiculous bid for a first-team player and and the goalposts change slightly. I just mean, effectively, the deadwood that you'd be happy to listen to offers for. And in some cases, you kind of actively tout around to see what interests there. The problem is that the ones that attract interest a lot of the time other players that you'd be slightly less happy to get rid of. So for, <laughs> for, for example, Everton have managed to get Morgan Schneidlin, Kieran Dahl out of the club. And that's because those players had suitors. And, and in Kieran Dahl's case, he wasn't on particularly big wages. Schneidlin, a completely different story, but he always had interest in France because his, his status and his stock remains pretty high there. The guys, at the moment, most of the guys that Everton are left with are problematic for buying clubs to, for one reason or another. So we, we've spoken there about, let's say, Sandro Ramirez. Sandro Ramirez is a player that can operate, in my opinion, at a pretty decent mid-table to lower mid-table level uh, in La Liga. Uh, he's got something to offer. He's not a top six player. He's 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 not Real Madrid, Atletico, Valencia by any stretch of the imagination. Any of the traditional powerhouses, Sevilla even. But he did do relatively well with Valladolid on loan. And Valladolid are, are the sort of club that you could see him going to. Valladolid, Bar, one of those sides, Levante. Um, I'm just plucking names out here. I'm not necessarily saying they're all interested in him, by the way. Those clubs operate in a different universe financially to Premier League sides, even Premier League sides that are their equivalent over here. So who would the equivalent of, I don't know, via the lead, be it a beer, a Fulham, a side like that, um, Brighton, although I think Brighton will do slightly better this season. Compare Fulham's expenditure and signings, transfer fees that they, they pay for players to Abar or via the lead, and you see the problem. Because Sandro is on Everton wages, he's on probably top six, seven, eight wages in the in the Premier League. So that becomes an issue. Um, and I think that's the problem, not necessarily across the board. There are other problems. Jenk Tosin, for example, 
Everton. Well, yeah, Jen Tosin is still an Everton player, and Shani Tarashai is still an Everton player, and Mo Besic is still an Everton player, and all these guys, Matty Pennington, Nathan Broadhead, all these guys that most fans, rightly or wrongly, have forgotten about. They're all Everton players, Uh, and sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind, but other times it's it's wages and um, transfer fees and, and and things like that. So. It's difficult. It, it really, really is difficult. And we've seen that this in many ways is a, is a slow market for selling clubs. Um, so it, it's going to take, you started this all by saying it's going to take something quite miraculous from Marcel Brands. Maybe miraculous, in my opinion, is not quite the right word, but it's approaching that. It, it's going to be a really tough ask for him. And even, for example, let's say Jenk Tosin. Jenk Tosin had a, we believe, had an option to buy clause inserted in his loan at Crystal Palace. Everton have been touting him around for quite a while, trying to sell him. He goes to Crystal Palace, and I, I think Crystal Palace actually quite liked him. When he when he joined, he, he scored a goal away at Manchester City and, and did some decent things. Gets injured, and that completely kiboshes any chance Everton had of cashing in on Tosin to Crystal Palace and getting what would have been a really good fee for Tosin. So they've been unlucky as well. And he's now not going to be back until, what well, we're, we're late September now already. He's not going to be back till October, November at the earliest. So um, that becomes a, an issue even for January, you would expect, with regards to shifting Kim. So there are all these issues. Um, I think that's just the flesh on the bone for why things sometimes are more difficult than they may seem. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein, host of the Athletics Ornstein and Chapman podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. So we, we haven't really gone into too much depth yet on Saturday. Chance to go five from five. Palace have been all right though, haven't they? Um, they, they look, again, they, they haven't done a lot of business, but they look dangerous. Townsend started the season decently. Um, Zaha seems to be flying a play. Obviously, we've been linked with heavily last summer and to a lesser extent this summer. Uh, it's going to be a big ask for the fullbacks. And then, it, of course, it'll be on whether or not our quality in the final third can can tell. Do you expect Ancelotti to change the formation at all with, with the threat that they'll provide, like I say, in, in wide areas? Or it does look a bit narrow or 4-3-3 th- three, three at times, doesn't it? Hmm. I, I don't know if he'll necessarily change the formation or the personnel, but I think he was very conscious in the first half against West Brom that Everton was susceptible down their right flank and West Brom's left because James was tucking in and effectively on the ball functioning as a as a fourth central midfielder if you want to call it that he he then wasn't able to get across he didn't have the legs to get across and cover 
um, the two West Brom lads down that side. And obviously Grady Dean Garner played really well and gave Everton a bit of a fright, particularly in the early stages. Ancelotti discussed that after the game and said he made some tweaks at half time and he, he tasked Alan and Ducore, particularly Ducore, I think, with shuffling across and trying to nullify some of those runs. And Everton were better. They weren't significantly better, but they were a little bit better in that regard in the second half against West Brom on, on well, last Saturday. So I think we'll probably see similar instructions this time around. You, you can't give Crystal Palace as much space as you gave West Brom. Um, they're in good form. I always think they're one of those sides that, first of all, for my money, better against the big teams and better away from home because they, they're not particularly bothered about sitting deep. They're quite happy to do that. And then they just hit you with all that pace of Zaha, Jeffrey Schlupp. Now they've got Eze, the, the winger from QPR, who I think is is a pretty astute pickup and reduces the age of their squad a bit. Um, they've, they've, they've made some good additions and added a bit of vibrancy, a bit more vibrancy. And then I think Jeffrey Schlupp, um, really, really quick, pacey player. He's had a little mini renaissance so far this season as well. So it's a side brimming with pace and there's there's a lot of, well, there's a real competitive edge in there. You've got MacArthur and, and obviously James McCarthy, the, the former Everton player in midfield, legs, bit of brawn, pace on the counter, an aerial threat from set pieces on the whole. They defend well. So I think it's gonna have to, this is going to be a game where Everton are going to have to be patient and... Um, just trust purely and simply in the quality of some of those players in the final third, whether it be James Rodriguez to, to pick out another worldie of a pass to put one on the plate for Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin or Luca Dean to get to the byline or even kind of from further back, put a cross on the head of, of Dominic or one of the other strikers. Everything going to have to trust in that process and be very careful of not getting caught on the break the other way. I actually think this might be another one of those games where Everton have much more of the ball and Palace effectively play like the away side. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting tactical battle. Everton will need to be better defensively than they were in the first half against West Brom in particular, where they um, conceded quite a few chances. I don't want to end up um, (laughs) slipping up here um, and have an egg on my face, but... I'm quietly confident Everton now have the personnel to create more chances, to be a bit more secure defensively with Alan and Ducore. Um, so I think they're in a better place than they were even six months ago to navigate this kind of threat. Um, I, w- I would like to see a, a confident Everton going away, thinking that this is the kind of game they should win. No disrespect to Crystal Palace, but this is the game in the form Everton are in that they should go and win. Um, yeah, de- de- dangerous, always dangerous, <laughs> as we know with Everton. Um, always likely to end up with egg on your face, but I, I just think we're I just think we're much better suited than we were even six months ago. Even if that doesn't necessarily translate to to maximum points on this occasion, mm, I think it it really is a yet another sort of litmus test of where we're at to, to go there and get the win, like you say. In theory, we should, but all too often Everton have struggled. And to be fair, a lot of teams struggle at, at, at Silas Park. Difficult ground to go to. Um, possibly easier for visiting sides without the fans there. You know, maybe it's similar for, in, to Goodison in that sense. But they're a decent team as well. Certainly, got as we discussed, got various threats going forward. But I think we'll score against, well, we'll cause most teams 
threats uh, or, or headaches of our own with the uh, the, the abundance of uh, talent we've got in the forward areas ourselves. Um, obviously, we'll be covering the game and keeping you abreast of all the developments in the transfer market in and out. Again, just don't forget, you can actually, if you haven't already subscribed to Athletic at the moment for just a pound a month, all you need to do to, get, to um, take advantage of that offer is go to www.theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. Um, that's just about it for this week from Pad and I. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for, well, I'd say thanks for putting up with the background noise, but I think you'll, you'll agree we've been very sedate today. No yeah, evil. It has been, hasn't it? Yeah. And we've also features. managed to get through a, a pod without waxing lyrical about Niels and Kunke, which is which is quite an achievement. But he, what a find he is, by the way, just to wrap up. What plenty, a find he is. Plenty of time to wax lyrical about him, mate. What yeah. a find indeed. Yeah. Some, yeah. some transfer, that is. Um, yeah. We could do a, a, no doubt we'll be doing spin off episodes on him as his Everton career arc continues to uh, to go up and up. Yeah, well, that's it on a nice high note. Thanks very much for listening. I'll speak to you again soon.